girl. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is... Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, conspiracy theories, cults, paranormal, supernatural, or just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, whatever the heck it is that we feel like talking about that week, because it's our show. And not yours. Fun fact, spoiler Fun. alert, air. Uh, funny-ish story, funny to me. I was out the other night with Charlie and a few friends, and we were just, like, grabbing dinner, and I've got this one friend who was like, oh, and I meant to, you know, I'm gonna listen to your podcast. Charlie was talking about it. Dead stories. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen. And I was just like, mm, okay, yep. You know, sometimes you reach that point where you're like, I'm not going to correct you just yet. This is totally fine. Like, I appreciate the thought because you're probably not actually going to listen to the show, but that's okay. But then another, like, person from that friend group came in and sat at the table next to us. And this one friend went over and, I guess, started talking about the podcast and was like, Sarah, tell her about your show. It's Dead Stories. And I was like, okay, it's it's actually Dead Time Stories, like Bedtime Stories. But then I thought, how do I describe the show? And I was like, oh, right. I'll just use Stephanie's spiel from the beginning. And I was like, oh, we're just a true crime, paranormal, spooky, eerie, culty, conspiracy, whatever we want kind of podcast. Because it's our show and not yours. And they're like, we'll listen. um, I was applying for a job within my current job, right? Like a different position. Mm-hmm. And I was showing my resume to my manager and asking him to take a look at it before I applied to it. And he's like looking at my resume and I have the podcast on my resume because we do a lot of stuff for for the show. Yeah. Right. To talk about the different skill sets that I have. And he's looking at it and he was like, I didn't know you do all this. I didn't know you had a podcast. I was like, yeah. yeah um, I do. It's called Dead Time Stories. Yeah. When going for almost three years. He's like, wow, you have a Patreon? I was like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It also, especially with how 2020 has been and like, you know, you're a theater person too. To have like no, to not be performing is absolutely wild, right? Yeah. And then I always had the strange juxtaposition of I feel like in my day job, people don't really know me or care about what I do or see what I do at all. And then when you're in theater, people are like, wow, that was amazing. You're incredible. You're so good at this. And like people want to come watch you and then tell you that you're great and you're enjoying yourself the whole time. And now I don't even have that juxtaposition of like the two different lives. I just have the life where nobody knows what I do or gives a shit. Yep. And it's really hard. Uh, I'm sorry if that's just how your normal life is. If that's how you feel all the time. (laughs) Despite Because it sucks for us. Because I hate feeling like this. This is awful. I can't stand it. Yeah. It definitely is. Uh, it's been rough. I was talking to Brittany about that where I was just like, I just feel stuck and I feel like I'm not really progressing forward with my life because I don't have a show. I don't have theater. But we and have this, this show. Last year, and this show. We has do been have this show. We have this help. podcast. And we have the weird, like, digital theater thing that's trying to happen in yeah. some capacities that I'm trying to support because I want it to happen. But, man, it is difficult. It is tough. And when you're, like, a – when you're a performer, man, and having no – 
not just like there's nothing for me to be in. Like there's no theater. I can't go watch a show. Like Mm-mm. I can't experience this this experience. You know what? I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Film is like all right. They're already not there. Theater like you really thrive on like the crowd being there and that energy of people. And I'm gonna be real right now. We went to uh, Mary Angela had her <laughs> her vow renewal recently, and it was outside of this theater that we've performed at many times in the past called mm-hmm. Stagecrafters. Um, and at one point, I did go inside and stand on the stage and cry a lot. <laughs> that yeah. happened. I went in there. I'm like, I was fine, like, walking up to the stage. Of course, as soon as I got on the stage and turned around and saw just that empty audience, like, I yeah. bawled. Like, I, like, cried my eyes out. Oof. I didn't walk on the stage. I just walked throughout the theater. I was just like, oh, God. And then I tried. Val was like, why don't you sing something? I was like, I can't, I'm sobbing right now. What do you want me to sing? Anything. I tried. Read the room. Read, Read the, the room. empty fucking room. <laughs> but life's crazy. And you know what? Like, we're all, we're all just doing the best we can with what we have. That's all I'm getting at right now, folks. And I hope that you are reminding yourself of that and not feeling terrible if you're not getting shit done because it's wild times right now but also y'all we're officially in the last month of 2020 so at least 2020 is wrapping up it is what it's worth i hope we're moving into something better i hope so too we'll speak it into fruition we're doing it we're trying it we're gonna make it happen 2021 is gonna be a better year than 2020 2021 is going to be the best fucking year. Done. Done we'll 2021. After that, uh, we're not going to peak at 2021, but it's going to be the best year we've had so far. Yeah. We're coming like, you know how, like I said last episode on a roller coaster, you're going down, but then you go back yeah. up. We're now, we're like, go. You get to the bottom, you back go back up. to the top of the slide where you stop and you turn and you go for a ride until you get to the bottom and you see him again. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's like that. Helter yeah. Skelter. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Done. <laughs> There's our whole analogy for what's happening. Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter. I mean, speaking of Helter Skelter, hey, Sarah. Let's go. I, you know I'm so excited for my story this week. I'm like, you let's are, wrap up the banter. You let's go first because you want to – I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what's going to happen. So, like, we have to get started so I can tell my boring ass shit so that you can go. All right. Well, hey, Stephanie. <laughs> hey, Sarah. Hey, ghosts. Y'all, y'all ready, ready to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? I feel like I sound like dinosaurs at the beginning of that. I was you like, said goats. I said I. I feel like I sounded like a goat at the beginning of that. Oh. I feel like I was like y'all ready. To y'all talk ready about to talk about some I'm a Muppet goat apparently because that's not how an actual goat sounds. Anyway, Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? So, um, I gave a little bit when I was like, hey, uh, or dinosaurs, because I'm talking about dinosaurs. Dinosaurs! Uh, Sarah, there have been some flying dinosaur sightings in North Carolina. I'm sorry. Hold on. What? Are you talking about a chicken? No, I'm talking about a dinosaur. (laughs) Because I... Christina was telling me about this recently, and I was like, a dinosaur? What? I thought she was telling me they found some bones, like some dinosaur bones Yeah, like a fossil or something. She's like, no, they seen it. 
No, they seen it. And I was like, who now you of all people, Christina, are the you love to educate people on how to know their sources and where they're getting their information. You've done lots of of keynotes on it for your library because Christina works for a library. If you didn't know a college library. Right. So, you know, all about checking your sources. But I was like, let me look into this because this was from this year, 2020. I found another article from 2017 from the um, News and Observer in North Carolina. And News and Observer is a legit ass newspaper. That is like the newspaper in North Carolina. They're based in either Charlotte or Raleigh. I think they have a headquarters in both TBH. But that's like the news that you want. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it, I guess. The news that you need to know. News and Observer is a legit news source. It's not satire. It's not some sort of like leaning conspiracy style news thing. It's a real news thing. So the first article came from 2017. There's a cryptozoologist in North Carolina. His name is Jonathan Whitcomb, and he specializes (laughs) in creatures that, well, it's cryptozoology. So creatures that don't necessarily are proven to exist. Cryptozoology we've talked about before because that's going to be stuff like Bigfoot, um, Loch Ness Monster, um, If you believe in these things, it's your own fault. Correct. Any of those, like, Part human, part mythological beast, whatever. That's going to be cryptozoology. So he is a person who studies those in North Carolina. He's a self-described modern pterosaur expert. And a pterosaur is a kind of flying dinosaur that is not a pterodactyl, but it's a different flying dinosaur. Do they have fossils of this flying dinosaur? Or are they thinking that this flying dinosaur they're seeing is an evolved is evolved from like a pterodactyl so there are models there is a model of a pterosaur in the um museum of natural sciences in north carolina okay um so i think they have some sort of fossil that they're saying belongs to this yeah creature right but they're saying it's still he's saying it still exists it's not like the bones of an animal that doesn't exist anymore. These are like still flying around in North Carolina. He's like, I got one in my backyard. So like I said, the, the first sighting or there were three sightings by one woman back in 2017 outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, which is the capital by one. And describing this and this beast, this creature that she saw, she said it had a long tail with a diamond shaped bulb on it. And she said that she saw it when she was at a bus stop. She drew a picture of it and she was trying to show it to people. And they were like, that's not a thing. They were like, that's a scribble. What are you showing us? Dismissed as lunacy by paleontologists and other academics, Whitcomb's work is still finding currency, at least online. People really like this guy. And he's the only person that took her seriously. And he's like, you're seeing a pterosaur and they're still around these here parts. They still exist. I cannot. I cannot. So he said, my associates and I believe that these are non-extinct pterosaurs, he wrote in his release to the News and Observer, what many persons would call pterodactyls or flying dinosaurs. Based on fossil evidence, most scientists believe pterosaurs, commonly and incorrectly referred to as flying dinosaurs, went extinct more than 66 million years ago. Whitcomb, a creationist and evolution denier, (laughs) describes himself as a scientist 
Despite having no formal background in paleontology. There it is. There it is. So to be fair, cryptozoology is a pseudoscience intended to prove the existence of mythological creatures and animals otherwise considered extinct. But it's it is considered a pseudoscience because it does not follow the scientific method. So what are pterosaurs? Pterosaurs were flying reptiles of the extinct order of pterosauria. They existed during most of the Mesozoic from the late Triassic period to the end of the Cretaceous of the Cretaceous period. Yes, I was saying it correctly, which is um, from 228 to 66 million years ago. They are the earliest vertebrates known to have evolved powered flight. Okay. There is no fossil evidence that any pterosaurs survived past the Cretaceous period. At the end of the Cretaceous period, the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event wiped out all non-avian dinosaurs and most avian dinosaurs as well, many other animals, and it seems to have taken most, if not all, of the pterosaurs. The term flying dinosaur, commonly used to refer to pterosaurs, is scientifically inaccurate. The term dinosaur is restricted to reptiles descended from the last common ancestor of two groups, which excluded pterosaurs. But pterosaurs, like dinosaurs, uh, dinosaurs are more <laughs> closely related to modern birds than to crocodiles or other living reptiles. If you didn't know, um, birds are more closely related to dinosaurs than People say like, oh, like crocodiles are living dinosaurs, like birds are more related to, to dinosaurs than actually reptiles are. Well, so it's not impossible. Look more like dinosaurs. They're more like, like we Hollywood think of them more like that me. because we think of them as like big lizard, big reptiles. But the way the bone structures, the way dinosaurs are shaped yeah. are more bird shaped than like, you know, crocodiles just have like the teeth. They have like the jaws, but they don't have like the body the build like a like a bird does <laughs> birds are fucking terrifying she don't by got the way that body girl that body yaddy yaddy she got the face but she ain't got that body it's highly likely that there are no living pterosaurs but it is not absolutely impossible shut up according to matt cartmill who's a professor of of emeritus evolutionary anthropology at duke university so he's legit I can't believe that if there were living pterosaurs in North America, three centuries of naturalists, explorers, farmers, hunters, trappers, and biologists would never have run across a single specimen living or dead, yes. Cartmill said. <laughs> what do these big flying animals eat? Where do they roost? I rank it as poop? being slightly I would rank it as being slightly more probable than living unicorns in Raleigh and Durham, but only slightly. <laughs> only slightly. When asked about the alleged sightings, Lindsay Zano, who's an assistant research professor and head of paleontology at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Science, had a succinct response. Pterosaurs are extinct and have been for 65 million years. So what's up with the sightings, right? Yeah. Wickham says that there have been sightings of pterosaurs in 33 states and Washington, D.C., and that people who saw them emailed him and called him. Wickham identifies only one of his witnesses by name. At least one of the sightings was gleaned from an online forum. Some of the sightings were allegedly in Raleigh and Durham. Wickham said, none of the sightings he describes are supposedly by credible photo or other forensic evidence. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Cynthia Lee, uh, who is studying, who's 20, is studying to become a veterinary technician, reported a sighting to Whitcomb and described three sightings since last June in an interview with the, ner- with the News and Observer on Wednesday. The first came while she was standing at a bus stop in North Raleigh. What is it with the bus stops? I Why know. do they show up at Lee bus said- stops? She looked up after she saw something huge casting a shadow on the ground. The second sighting came a month later, and though this pair of pterosaur-like creatures did not have crests, they also lacked feathers. Lee began a Google search for pterosaur reports and discovered Whitcomb's site. The third sighting came last week following Wednesday's snow. Lee was taking an Uber ride to work when she saw the same crested creature out of the window. The driver did not see it. He was driving, Lee said. He said he wished he had seen it. Oh my God. Shut up. Is that a real quote? Yes. He said he wished he had seen it. He's just not on the same drugs that she's on. That's why he right? didn't see Lee it. Lee also told Wakeham about sighting by her family years ago. My mother and my uncle saw two while we were playing outside in my grandma's house when they were really when they were really little. They told grandma, but she didn't believe it, and they thought they were extinct. A man was driving on Interstate 540 in Raleigh late in March when he said he saw a huge bird or a huge bird looking thing flying across the overpass, uh, maybe 20 or 50 feet in front of my car. It was about seven or eight feet off the ground. He reported the encounter online and titled his experience. I saw a pterodactyl up close tonight. That sounds like a clickbait. I know. I saw a pterodactyl. There is. I like the article has a link to the the <laughs> the other article to his page. Oh my gosh. He described it as bat-like in a way with a long tail with a spade at the end. Two eyewitnesses saw a flying creature, possibly the same species, in 2007, but on the south side of Raleigh, Whitcomb said. One of the two allegedly reported to Whitcomb and said that the tail and the head shape is what stood out the most. And that that's how come I knew it wasn't a bird. I thought it was dinosaurs, the person said. <laughs> in Durham, another eyewitness allegedly saw a pterodactyl in 1993 and years later reported it to Wickham. He said, huge bat-like wings. I estimate the wingspan was like 10 to 15 feet. In 2010, another eyewitness allegedly told Whitcomb I was driving home from dropping a friend off at school. When I was almost home, I passed the food lion. Oh my God, food yes. lions. Uh, on Commerce Road going towards Country Club Road in Jacksonville. I saw something huge above me in the sky. It looked like a pale greenish white and smooth skinned. It didn't appear to have any feathers and it had a tail with a diamond shape on the end. In 2012, Wickham said he received an email from a man who, with his cousin, saw something bringing to his mind the word dragon. The encounter was in October in 2009 in Charlotte. The man told Wickham it looked like I had se- something I had seen in a Jurassic Park movie. Whether these skybound shapes or mythic beasts, ancient reptile survivors, or great blue herons playing dress up, they make for lively conversations. All of these people However, need to go get their vision checked. I know. So another place, uh, another place called Charlotte Stories, who I had never heard of, they posted an article about it in August of this year. So that was from three years ago. Now they talk about Jonathan Wickham again, because of course, if the pterosaur popped up somewhere in North Carolina, he's like, I'm here to, to see it. So they talk to him again. 
But um, it's been seen mostly around the Raleigh area, um, but it's been seen again this summer when people are all at home. There's been a reporting in Charlotte. A man and his cousin saw something, um, again, that he thought was a dragon. Somebody in Asheville said that she saw a huge black-winged creature fly very low over her car. It had no feathers but sharp edges in its features. Um, and then there is a map showing you where the reported sightings are. North Carolina, Virginia, and Georgia all have a lot of sightings, as does Texas. This one over here that I think is Utah. (laughs) (laughs) And this one over here that is definitely California. (laughs) That's, I I wonder now how many Um, people are going to go out and try to like catch it or get evidence of it since everyone's stuck at home. I have no idea. Um, But North Carolina and Texas are both great hotspots for the pterosaur. But now that you're home, um, you know, keep an eye out for some giant bat-like or dinosaur-like creature that is not technically a dinosaur. It's a pterosaur. And they're, you know, you know, hiding in your closets. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. (laughs) They're climbing in your windows. Snatching your people up. You know? It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a pterosaur. It's a pterosaur. It's a dinosaur. Not technically. Not actually. No, wait, just kidding. It's Mothman. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) That's what I would say if I saw Mothman. It's Mothman. Fuck. (laughs) Well, yeah, it means death's coming. Yeah, it does. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? You're so excited. I am. All right, everyone. So what I'm talking about this week is a minor side story off of a very much bigger story that I will talk about next week. So um, stay tuned. Next week's going to be crazy. And as I get into this story, you will understand why and what next week is about because It's taking me a lot of time to research. I fell into the rabbit hole hard this past week. And I'm going to keep going because it is crazy and fascinating. And there's so much more to this big picture story than I ever knew. And what I'm going to talk about today is a tiny little side part of it. So. Man. Okay, here we go. Get started. I know. Today, I'm talking about the Mills family murder. Okay. So February 26, 1980, Jeannie Mills, her husband Al, and their 15-year-old daughter Daphne were found murdered in their home. All three of them had been shot execution style with exploding bullets. Their bodies were discovered by the grandmother when she came over to check, and then she found their 17-year-old son, Eddie, in his room unharmed. He said he had headphones on, he was watching TV, and was oblivious to what had just taken place in the house. Right? Do you believe that? I guess we'll find out. So the police ruled it. The police ruled out burglary. There was no forced entry into the house. Nothing was burgled. It was just the three of them shot and Eddie with his Bose sound speaker headphones on or something, not hearing it. Right. And even though gunshot residue was found on Eddie's hands, he was never charged with the murders. Jesus Christ. 
So these murders remain unsolved. Of course. And just wait. But there are many theories floating around. And to understand these theories, we have to go back 11 years. So Jeannie and Al Mills were originally named Deanna and Elmer Myrtle. Okay. Deanna and Elmer married in 1968. They both had children from previous marriages. So it was a, what is it called? A a combined family? Blended. It was a blended family. Sure. In a search to find help with the problems of discipline they saw arising in their newly blended family, they, like so many people, sought out a new religion. And they joined the People's Temple. Does that ring a bell to you? It sounds familiar. All right. The People's Temple was a, some people describe it as a cult. Some people just describe it as a religion. It also could be described as a social justice type of thing. I'll get into that more next week. But the People's Temple is ultimately the religion behind Jonestown. And it's Jim okay. Jones's pe- The People's Temple. Yes. So they joined the People's Temple in 1969. They lived on the Redwood Valley Commune in California. And they quickly rose in power. Deanna became head of the temple's publications office. And Elmer was the official photographer for the publications. They were in the church until 1974 when they finally left after they witnessed their daughter Linda being beaten by Jim Jones with a paddle, a wooden paddle, over 70 times because Linda was friends with someone that Jim Jones considered to be a traitor. Jesus Christ. Jim Jones at this point around 1974 had kind of mentally started to spiral a little bit. So that on top of watching their own daughter get beaten, they were finally like, we're going to defect. We're getting the fuck out of here, yeah. So they defected and they became major speakers against Jim Jones and the temple. They had to change their names because when they joined the temple, they gave Jim Jones a power of attorney. And so in order to avoid the power of attorney, they had to create new identities and change their names. But even though they changed their names from Deanna and Elmer Myrtle to Jeannie and Al Mills, they were still known, like their locations, what they were doing was still known by Jim Jones and the church. Yeah. They were interviewed and helped to a degree like supply information to the New West magazine expose that ultimately was the expose that got Jim Jones to finally move the church to Guyana, which is where he established Jonestown, which a whole bunch of things fell into place that made Jim Jones erratic and paranoid. And this expose coming out about the church was enough for him to be like, we need to, I'm taking my people and we're immigrating and we're going to Guyana and we're creating our own civilization, our own society, our own utopia. And she and her husband were the people who helped supply the information for that expose. And she's quoted as saying after that expose went out that it felt like she had just put like a, um, a target 
on her back. Yeah. So they they also co-founded her and Al. So I'm just going to call them Jeannie and Al now. So we're on to their new identities. So Jeannie and Al also co-founded with Tim Stowen, the Concerned Relatives of People's Temple Temple Members Organization. It's a mouthful, but it's also just known as the Concerned Relatives Organization. So they helped found that, and that was a support group for defectors and family members who were either still in the church or who were also defectors. And this group was also a big group that brought to light what was happening in the church, what was happening in the temple, um, how all the different nefarious things that were going on, like the physical abuse, like some of the mental brainwashing, like giving over power of attorney, etc. And they created this group and this group began taking things to the media like that expose. And they also started taking things to a congressman. So they went to Congressman Leo Ryan and they were like, listen, they've got this establishment in Guyana. A lot of these people, their families say that they're being held there against their will. We've got all this information. Like, can you just go over there and like do a fact finding mission like can you just go over there and see what's going on they're all still technically like american citizens and they're it's this weird like joint thing of how they were able to go and relocate over there but still had ties in america and so they finally got the congressman to uh go over and he went over with a few family members from the concerned relatives group and he went over with news crews so he went over mainly there was an nbc crew that went and this will all be part of next week's all these details but that group that went over there basically started the chain of events that led to the mass suicide and genie and al are part of the group that got the congressman to make that trip to go over there to not necessarily even put pressure on Jim Jones, but just to see what's going on and see if yeah. people were being held against their will. And that was that was the first domino that fell that set off a chain of events that ultimately, for anyone who doesn't know about the Jonestown Massacre, ends in around just under a thousand people losing their lives. So Jeannie also wrote a tell all memoir about her time in the temple and you can find it online it's called six years with god life inside reverend jim jones's people's temple because the other thing is jim jones said that he was god and he painted himself as god and called himself god so the theories around their murders Um, The big one is that there was a People's Temple hit squad. And that theory was circulating around for a while after the mass suicide in Guyana because there were defectors here. There were a few people who did survive. And the defectors here were afraid that there were still some diehards who were then going to go out and avenge the suicide and avenge the death of Jim Jones and take out these other people because 
obviously their group had to die because of the defectors stirring up things against them. And so we're going to kill them too. And so right. a lot of people, but the FBI and the CIA said that they never found any information that led them to think that there was an actual People's Temple hit squad. Another theory is that it was a drug deal gone bad. Because I guess there's always the case that that could happen. That's always a theory. There could always be a drug deal gone bad. You never know. Another big one that is a side-ish rabbit hole that I'm falling down with Jonestown is that it was an FBI-CIA cover-up murder. And there's a theory that the FBI and the CIA are really tied into Jonestown and that there were a lot of things going on at Jonestown that they don't want other people, they don't want the public to know. And so they circulated, once you get into the press of what the public actually heard of what went on at Jonestown, it's very mixed. It's very wrong. In the beginning, they were saying there were only 200 people dead, and then there were only 400 people dead. But it's really upwards of 900 and something that died. Yeah, and it was was hundreds and hundreds of people. Inaccurate reporting, inaccurate information. And some theories say that that's because the FBI is behind it. And they're trying to make sure that all of these other plans that they put into place that ultimately went wrong, don't come out. And so the FBI had had an interview with Jeannie and Al two days before they were killed. And so some people theorize that the FBI had their interview with them and then they killed them to silence them to prevent that information ever getting out. Okay. (laughs) Because the other, you know, and you'll love this, but the other theory with the FBI and CIA being tied in is that it also has things to do with MKUltra. Of course. Because of it's course around it that time fucking period. does. Yep. Of course it fucking does. And Jim Jones was on a lot of drugs before he died. And Oh, he sure as shit was. And he there's was a lot of, of there's so much information. So a theory is that the FBI and the CIA covered it up so that we wouldn't know the full extent of their mistakes. Another Jesus theory Christ. that seems slightly more plausible. Eddie was still a diehard people's temple member and he killed his family to avenge jim jones he had friends who died at jonestown they found gun residue on his hands but he was never charged he moved overseas he was i want to say it was 2004 when he came back to visit america he was detained but they didn't have enough evidence to put any charges against him and so he was released and he lives in japan with his wife and kids what and the murder of genie al and uh what was her name daphne mills is unsolved to this day the fuck dude and next week on dead time stories i'm gonna tell you all about jones town and Jim Jones and what the fuck happened there. And it is I'm crazy. fucking ready for it. It's I think I'm ready crazy. for it. I hope I'm ready for it. I just felt I don't oh, I know how. I was listening to Dateline NBC and they just released an episode where they covered 
what their reporters went through at Jonestown. And I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize how in-depth this story is and what this really is and what happened. And I have been down a rabbit hole and it's not stopping. So I'm compiling all of that information. I'm really excited to bring it to you guys. And tune in next week because it's going to be real good. I'm excited. I can't wait. I know, like, I know a little bit about Jonestown. It's one of those ones where I'm like, I know there's just so much to know about it. And I haven't done a deep dive into it. So I'm really, really excited to learn what you've learned. Because it's a lot of people. You're giving me a little taste, little taste, little little tasty taste. Be careful, though, because even just a taste of that Kool Aid might kill you. And from my understanding, it was actually Flavor Aid. Everybody says Kool Aid, but it was actually Flavor Aid. It, yeah, it was like it was a concoction. They call it a number of things. My favorite thing that it's called is a potion. They call it a potion a few times. <laughs> so they drank the potion. Um, but everyone does know just the general story. And to a degree, as I've been diving down that rabbit hole, it really does the entire society of the People's Temple and what they were standing for, it does them a big disservice. Yeah. Because this is one of those where in the beginning, it's like, I'm kind of down with the cult. I'm down with the cult. Oh, yeah, of course. Yep. It it always starts that way. That's how they get you. I know. But even still, I I don't – we'll dive into it next week. I don't want to get too big. I was, like, trying to talk to Charlie about it last night, and I was, like, I'm just working on getting my bullet points together because there's so much, and the more I find out, the more that I'm just, like – The more there's to talk about. I can't wait. So Okay. Yeah, it's going to be real good. I can't wait. All right. Well, with that being said, I'm really excited. If you want to support our show, the best way you can do that is to subscribe to our Patreon. We have $1, $5, and $15 tiers. Each tier has something really awesome and incredible and exciting. And of course, each tier you go up, you still get all the stuff in the tiers below it. So you have extra access to us and to the people that we talk to through our Patreon exclusive Facebook group for just $1 a month. $5 $5 a month, so you start getting some content with I Seen It. $15 a month, you get extra content with Christina's Me, Myself, and YouTube, and you get some ghost fart celebrity content that you can't wait to see. I know you can't wait to see it. It's a good time. And you get to hear ghosts farting by the image. Like, you look at it, and you can hear it. You can smell it. Mm-hmm. That's how good these pictures are. <laughs> so from there... <laughs> You can also buy merch from our website, Deadtime Stories with a Z, all one word, dot com. Those are all great, great ways to support the show. But of course, we also know the times are hard. And if you can't support us financially, the best way you can help us out without giving us your money is by going into iTunes and giving us a five-star review in the iTunes store. That really helps the algorithm where people see us and find us and we can blow up like we want to and we can quit our jobs that we are less than enthused about to do this job that we really love, which is create this podcast for you. Yeah. Help us do that. Help us help you. Help us entertain you. Or email us deadtimestories at gmail.com. We'll take that too. We'll take it. it. I want to thank you so much for listening to us, for supporting our show, for telling your friends, for doing all the things that you do. And I want to support you and thank you for being you because, you know, shit's crazy right now. And shit's crazy. Not everybody is getting up and doing the damn thing like you are. Everybody. We're proud of y'all. This podcast. I'm trying to gas you up a little bit. Proud of you. Proud of y'all. 
I'm proud of you, Sarah. Proud of you. Hmm. Aw. I like that. Ending Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, and that was a fart. Remember that episode where Sarah put all those farts in? That was funny. <sighs> Do I? I think it might become my new favorite episode. Did you guys like and that? I worked really hard on that. Tell, I tell us about it. Email us. all of those farts. All those farts, man. I was so proud. I'm real proud. And I'm still, this I'm has beaming. been. I'm still proud. I'm just thinking about it, and I'm so proud of what I did. I also just love when I was editing it in the kitchen, Charlie's cooking, and I'm trying to find the right fart noises, and I have my headphones on, and he just looks at me, and he goes, did I just hear a fart? <laughs> yeah, a lot of them. I love it And so he was much. like, oh, babe, I'm t- proud of you. Ugh. Proud of you. Proud of you. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. <laughs> I'm Sarah. <laughs> and, and this, this has been... Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 